Hello, this is Eddie Duke. Welcome to the weekly podcast at Panther Creek Baptist Church. You know, Jesus Christ is an amazing person. As I look at our culture today, I am convinced the absolute only hope for this world in which we live is Jesus Christ. And every week, I will introduce you to messages that will communicate this hope that we have in Christ. I'm thankful that you've taken the time to catch us here this week. It means a lot to me that you would tune in, and I would love to hear from you. And now, here is this week's broadcast. Well, hello, everybody, and happy 4th of July. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. We're recording this a little early today, and uh, so thankful for Doug coming in. I, I rescheduled this several times before we finally got here, so I appreciate Doug's patience with me. And I hope you all are enjoying your uh, 4th of July weekend, but, uh, but so thankful that you can come with us today. If you, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. We're continuing on in our series uh, where we're looking at our summer sermon series, and we're talking about God's plan and, and how we should be reacting, responding to, the God, to God's plan. And we're in the book of Jeremiah now. Uh, we're going to be in here for just uh, two more weeks. So we're going to finish up this series in a couple weeks uh, here, but we're in the book of Jeremiah. And as I was studying this week, I realized, you know, advertisers will tell you that there are two words that you want to use if you want to move product. If you want to sell something, two words stand out and, and will generally draw people in to buy something. And those two words are new and improved. New and improved, uh, like if, if you have diapers, loves, or, or pampers, one of the things that they can do to improve their product is to put new and improved on there, you know. Uh, now, I know it gets people to thinking, well, what was wrong with the last, you know, the, the ones before? Uh, we had to do new and improved, and, and some people will say, you know, new and improved is actually an oxymoron because if, uh, if something's brand new, it, it's really not an improvement. You know, I mean, it's, it's brand new. It's older things that you improve, uh, but new things are, are brand new. So I don't know if we could really get into that or not. But at any rate, uh, the Federal Trade Commission, uh, not too long ago, uh, came out with two rules when it comes to things that are new and improved. First of all, uh, you cannot put something new and improved on something that you don't change. Uh, like you have to change the ingredients, you have to change the recipe, you have to make a change to the product in order to call it new and improved. And you can't leave that label on there for longer than six months. So new and improved cannot stay on longer than six months. But, but we know, uh, whether, you know, whatever it is, uh, we do know that we like to buy new things. We like to have new things. I mean, when we get something new, it's exciting. It is, uh, you know, and I, not, I didn't really plan it this way, uh, but not too long ago, I had to get a new phone. And, uh, and I'd had my old phone for seven years. You know, I, I really wanted to keep it for even longer, uh, but it just, it just died on me, and so I had, went with something new. But it was exciting to get that new phone, you know, and to think about, okay, what can this one do? And what are some of the new things about it that are, that are really neat that I could try out? So I was very excited to get this new phone. You know, at the same time, I, I was kind of nervous, you know, when you get something new, you want to protect it. Uh, you don't want it to break. You want it to stay new. You want it to have that new car smell for a little while longer, you know. So, so, so that, those are a couple of things I've noticed about having something new, but it is exciting. And, and, and this was not lost on Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah, we've talked about, was a very young man when he started his ministry. And, and he came across many new things. And one of the things that he came across that was new was God's plan. 
Uh, God's plan had been introduced in Isaiah. God's plan had been introduced to Jeremiah. And when Jeremiah saw God's plan, he was excited about it. He was excited about the implications. He was excited about the possibilities of God's plan. While at the same time, he didn't want to take this for granted. He wanted to protect this. You know, he wanted to keep this alive in his life. You know, so, so that was really true of Jeremiah. And, and that's what I want us to see here today. That, that the response to God's plan meet, needs to be to live new, to live new, uh, because when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it brings new, and I want us to look at that today. So let me read, uh, beginning with Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, I'll read it. It says, look, the days are coming, this is the Lord's declaration, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though I am their master, the Lord's declaration. Let me pause here for a second because I'm working on something right now. I mean, it's at the very beginning stages of a sermon of this Lord's declaration. Because if we, one of the things that we've seen in Jeremiah as we've been in it is this appears several times. I mean, this Lord's declaration appears over and over again. Uh, so I'm working on that, so hopefully we'll get that together in here in a couple weeks. But in verse 33 it says, Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will one teach the na- his neighbor or his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration. For I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. I'm going to go ahead and pray. And then I want us to see how we can live new and the the things that are going to be uh, involved in living new. So let's pray and then we'll come back. Father, I just thank you so much for your word here today. Father, I pray for those that are listening, no matter where they are, no matter who they are, no matter where we're from. uh, Father, I pray right now, God, that your word will come alive. That's what you promised. Uh, Father, that your word will come alive in our hearts and our minds, Father. And God, we just, uh, we were counting on your declaration here today, uh, God, that that's going to happen. So Father, I just thank you so much for this time that we set aside, that we can know you, for it's in your name we pray, amen. Well, the first thing that we need to do to become new, or the first thing that we need to do in order to live new, is to remember this, that living new requires a new determination. A new determination. If we look again at God's word, it says this. Look, the days are coming, in verse 31, this is the Lord's declaration, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And then he goes on in verse 32 and talks about it's not going to be the old covenant that we had before, it's going to be a new covenant. Now, did you notice here that God did not say that there was anything wrong with the old covenant? There was not anything wrong with the old covenant. What what was the old covenant that he was talking about? Well, he was talking about the Mosaic covenant. This is the covenant he made with Moses. This is the covenant he made with the people. That said, okay, if you put your trust in me, if you obey me, then you could follow me and I will lead you out of bondage in Egypt. I will lead you out of that bondage. That was the Mosaic covenant that God made. There was nothing wrong with that covenant. Did you notice God did not say that the covenant was bad? God said that the people are the ones that went against that covenant. The people are the ones that disobeyed that covenant. And I think we need to understand that. You know, I, um, 
uh, as I've been making many trips to Holiday World uh, here lately with, uh, with my, my daughter and, and picking her up and dropping her off, I've gotten to know the road pretty well. We have around Owensboro, Kentucky, we have uh, the bypass, what's known as the 60 bypass. And on the 60 bypass, this little loop around uh, the city, uh, the 60 bypass, or the, you can go 65 miles per hour. Uh, you can go, that's the legal speed limit for the bypass, 65 miles per hour. Now, as you get past the hospital here in our town and a little further out, that speed limit drops to 55 miles per hour. When you go over the bridge to in, in, Indiana, the speed limit goes back up to 60 miles per hour. I don't even have to ask the question, but I know because I know the answer. Have you ever gone a little over the speed limit? <laughs> yes, I know we have. I, I, I have time and again. Uh, there's times when, like today, I wasn't paying attention. I was, man, five to ten miles over the speed limit. Uh, there are times when we're trying to get around somebody. We may go a little faster. There may be times when somebody's coming up behind us and we want to speed up. We may be doing it because everybody else is doing it. But there are times that we go a little faster than what the law allows. Now, is there anything wrong with the law, the speed law? No. It's there to, for our safety. It's there for our protection. There is nothing wrong with the law. There is nothing wrong with the covenant. <laughs> our problem is our problem. Our problem is that we are not keeping that. We are not adhering to it. You know, and, and that, that, is, that is where this new determination comes in. Because as we live our lives now, we could have a new determination where we realize, boy, it is not dependent on me. My success or failure is no longer dependent upon me. It is dependent upon what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. I, I, there's, a, there's a film that I haven't seen in a long time. It was a great movie. Uh, but the movie was called Forrest Gump. I'm going to have to watch that again. I haven't seen that in a while. Uh, but the movie was called Forrest Gump. And there's a scene where Forrest Gump and Lieutenant Dan are in a bar. And they're with two ladies. And they're watching the countdown to New Year's Eve. And one of the ladies looks over at Lieutenant Dan and, and Forrest Gump. And she says this. Don't you just love New Year's? You get to start all over. Everyone gets a second chance that is what a new determination is all about when we realize that we get with Jesus Christ a second chance, a third chance, a millionth chance, a billionth chance. You know, we just get a chance. When we have that new determination where we realize, boy, even if I don't do it right today, tomorrow... I get to begin again. Even if I have sinned and I've fallen right now, I can get back up again and Jesus Christ is going to help me do better and get better and be better. Now, hear me well. I'm not saying that sin is no big deal. I mean, we've talked about sin. This is the problem. This is the why we needed God's plan to begin with because of how bad sin is and what sin does to our life. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, we don't have to be in bondage to it. We can have a new determination, a new determination, and we can live with a new determination that we have a Savior who loves us in Jesus Christ and that is going to help us even when we fall. 
Living new is about living with a new determination. Living new is about living with a new heart. Uh, The Bible says here, if we continue on in verse 33, the Bible says, I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, in the New Testament, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. At Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the preachers that from years ago that I remember hearing about was a preacher by the name of R.G. Lee. After R.G. Lee, there was Adrian Rogers. After Adrian Rogers, there's a man there by the name of Steve Gaines now. But, uh, uh, but R.G. Lee was just a country preacher in a big church. And R.G. Lee was from South Carolina. And he told this story several times about when he was younger, uh, when he was just a teenager, he felt led to go into the ministry. And one time, uh, there was a pastor, there was an evangelist who came to the church that he was at to preach a revival. And, and R.G. Lee had, had just happened to be able to talk to him. And R.G. Lee told him, hey, I want to go into the ministry. I want to be a pastor one day too. And this evangelist said, you know what? The pastor can't go visiting with me tomorrow. So why don't you come along and go visiting with me? And, uh, and R.G. Lee thought, oh man, that's going to be awesome. So he was excited about going out with this evangelist. When he met this evangelist for breakfast the next morning, before they went out, the evangelist asked him, I want to know who is the meanest person in town? Who is the person that never would come to church? That Not in a million years that you would think would ever come to church. And R.G. Lee said, oh, that's easy. His name is John. He's the blacksmith in town. He's a big guy. He's got a beard. He's got big burly muscles. You know, he's, he, he uses that hammer all day long, you know, on the anvil. And he said, he said, that guy killed somebody once. He said, he got off on a technicality. He said, that's the guy that is the meanest guy in town. The evangelist said, that's the guy we're going to go see. And R.G. Lee was scared to death. <laughs> so he, he went with him, uh, to, with this evangelist, and they went to the blacksmith, and they visited John. His name was Big John. And uh, they went up to Big John, and the evangelist said, John, I'm here in town to preach at this church up the road, and I just would like to come by and invite you to come hear us. And, uh, and John didn't say anything. And so the, uh, the evangelist said, well, uh, John, we'd love to see you tonight. I'm going to be preaching the gospel. I'd love to see you if you could make it. And John didn't say anything. And uh, so the evangelist said, well, John, I can see you're real busy, so, uh, so I won't take any more of your time. How about I just pray for you? And so he had a prayer with him, and R.G. Lee said he kept one eye open because he, he said, you know, that person who had killed somebody, was, they were that close to, and he had a hammer in his hand. He just didn't trust him. And, uh, and so they prayed, and after they prayed, John looked over at the evangelist. He, uh, it was almost like he couldn't believe somebody would pray for him. And he looked over at that evangelist, and he said, what time did you say you're going to be preaching tonight? And the evangelist told him the time, and he said, well, maybe I'll see you there. And, uh, and the evangelist said, boy, we'd love to see you, John. And so they left and went on their way, and, and sure enough, when they got back to the church, R.G. Lee said the evangelist told the pastor that they had invited John to come to the church tonight. And the pastor said, no, John cannot come to this church tonight. And, and the evangelist said, well, why not? And, and the pastor said, well, well, our church pianist, John, 
killed her husband. That was the person that he killed several years ago. He got off on a technicality. We can't do this to her. She is the sweetest, dearest lady in this church, and it will just crush her if he walks in that door. And the evangelist said, you know what? Let's just see what happens. John may not even come. Let's just see what happens. And sure enough, when the service started that night, in walked the door, in the doors walked John as the servant. The pianist looked back there at him as he walked in the door, and she just kept playing. And they prayed, and, and she just kept playing and kept playing. And, uh, and sure enough, when the evangelist got up to preach, everybody thought the lady would walk out the door, but she didn't. She sat down uh, waiting to play the invitation, and the evangelist preached the sermon. And that night when he had the prayer and asked for anybody who wanted to come, John walked down the aisle. And he went and prayed with the evangelist to surrender his life to Jesus Christ and put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. When the evangelist and John turned around to face the congregation to tell everybody the news, the pianist stopped playing. Everybody expected her to walk out, but she didn't do that. She walked over, she hugged John real big and said, welcome to our family. Then she went back and started playing again. After the service was over, several of her friends came up to her and asked her, how could you hug the man who killed your husband? And her response was this, that man did not kill my husband. That man has a new heart. That man has a faith in Jesus Christ. And that is the way I need to look at my life. I need to realize in my life, and maybe you do too here this morning, I need to realize in my life, when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I got a new heart. I have a new relationship with God. I have a new heart. And so I need to stop putting things in my life that run counterculture to Jesus Christ. I've got, a, I've got a, um, a, 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 an accountability partner that I talk to during the week. And one of the things that I told them this week, you know, I really feel convicted by God right now to watch the things I'm allowing into my life, to watch the things that I'm watching, to watch the things and be careful about the things that I'm hearing, be careful about the things that I'm allowing to come into my life because I, and if you've heard me talk over this past week, one of the things that's really on my heart right now is this. In 2022, I want to be able to look back and say, you know what? I have grown as a Christian over this past year. I'm a stronger Christian today than I was in 2021. I'm more of a mature Christian today than I was in 2021. And I realize that is not going to happen in a year's time if I'm continuing to live in pervasive sin. I realize that is not going to happen over a year's time if I'm continuing to allow things into my heart that are counterculture to Jesus Christ. I need, and so do you, all of us do, need to live with a new heart. It's a new heart, it's a new determination, and there's one final thing that we need to see here today. It's about a new destination, focused on a new destination. Look with me here at verse 34. Verse 34, at the very end of verse 34 says this, for I, this is God, this is the Lord's declaration, for I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. I'm going to forgive their 
iniquity and never again remember their sin. You know what God is saying there? God is saying when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we have a new destination. And if we're going to live new, we need to focus on that new destination. Years ago, there was a man by the name of Henry Rimmer. Henry Rimmer was a scientist. He was a scientist before he became a Christian. He was an archaeologist. He was a paleontologist, somebody who studies those fossils. He did all that work, and it gave him a great perspective. When he became a Christian, he taught science in his faith, and it just gave him a great perspective. Well, near the end of his life, when he was dying, and he couldn't get out very much anymore at all, he would listen to what was known as the old-fashioned revival hour by Charles Fuller. Charles Fuller was the founder of Fuller Seminary, and he would be the speaker on the old-fashioned gospel hour, old-fashioned revival hour. And, uh, and so, so one day, Charles Fuller was spe speaking on the radio, and uh, Henry Rimmer heard him, and Charles Fuller said, you know, okay, guys, next week you want to tune in and make sure that you're here because next week I'm going to be talking about heaven. Well, when Henry Rimmer heard that, he got out a paper and pencil and he wrote a letter to Charles Fuller, and this is what he said. Dear Dr. Fuller, next Sunday you're going to talk about heaven. I'm interested in that land because I've held free title to a bit of property there for over 50 years. I did not buy it. It was given to me without price. But the donor purchased it for me at a tremendous sacrifice. For more than half a century, I've been sending materials up to the greatest architect of the universe who has been building a home for me, which will never need remodeling or repairing because it will suit me perfectly. Termites can never undermine its foundation, for it rests upon the rock of ages. Fire cannot destroy it. Floods cannot wash it away. No locks or boats shall ever be placed upon the doors, for no vicious person can enter the land where my dwelling stands. It's almost complete and ready for me to enter. There's a deep shadow between this place where I live and that to which I shall journey in a very short time. I cannot reach my home in that city without passing through this valley, but... I'm not afraid because the best friend I ever had went through the same valley long, long ago and drove away all of its gloom. He will be with me as I walk through the valley of the shadow and I shall not lose my way when he is with me. I hope to hear your sermon on heaven next Sunday, but I have no assurance that I shall be able to do so. My ticket to heaven has no date marked for the journey, no return coupon and no permit for baggage. Yes, I'm ready to go. I may not be here while you're talking next Sunday, but I'll meet you there some day. Henry Rimmer. Of course, Henry Rimmer was not able to hear that sermon the following Sunday because he passed away that week and went to his home that had been prepared for him. But he noted that there's a shadow between here and that destination. I will pass through that shadow and I will not fear it because I have a friend who took away that gloom long ago. His focus was on a new destination. If we're going to live new, that is what we need to do as well. There, there used to be an old song, and I remember it, and maybe you do too if you're listening to me. Maybe you've heard it recently, but there used to be a song that said, Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion that's good enough for me. 
well, that's not good enough for me. And I hope it's not good enough for you because the faith of the Bible is based upon that which is new. It is a new determination. It is a new heart. And it is a focus on a new destination. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much for this time. I thank you for your word and for, uh, for being able to hear it today, Father, regardless of where we are. Father, I'm praying right now as this message goes over the internet and goes over the airwaves, Father, and goes into people's minds and their hearts. Father, I pray that it will encourage us to live new, Father, to be excited about the implications, Father, that we have of a relationship and fellowship with Jesus Christ. Father, and to not take it for granted, but to live every day, Father, with a new determination born out of a new heart with a focus on a new destination. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.